This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Amen. Well, who's glad they came to church tonight? I'm really glad. I'm really glad. My wife's having me plant grass seed this week. This is a great break for me, man. I've been out there... All right, I don't know if she's going to watch this later, so pretend that didn't happen. But anyway, so the the, the message tonight, the, I'll go ahead and throw it up on the screen, Heather. So the message tonight, the title is this, Focus Challenged Christians. Focus Challenged Christians. Now, I had an original title for this, and I figured that's bound to offend somebody. I was going to originally call it ADD Christianity, but I didn't thought that would probably make somebody somewhere mad at me. Someone watching online, somebody somewhere would get mad at me for that. So uh, I, I changed the title to a more nicely worded, Focused Challenged Christians. Now, you know, we all know little kids have short attention spans, right? I mean, we know this if you work in kids' ministry or if you're a parent or if you're around kids at all. They have a very short attention span. They may be focused and zeroed in on something hardcore for like 25 seconds. But then, you know, then they, they something else gets their attention. And so, you know, a, a productive day for a little kid is what? You know, coloring two or three pictures, you know, fully drinking your juice box and having your fruit snacks and taking a good nap. If you could accomplish a few, I mean, that's a good productive day. Because they can't focus on anything that long. And, you know, as cute and silly and funny as it is with a little kid, sadly, as adults, and, uh, you know, we have, we have some adults that are focused, challenged. And guess what? I'm going to put myself on blast. I am one of them. <laughs> I have a really hard time. And I didn't, uh, you know, I didn't uh, identify that until I was about 30 years old. But praise God, it took a minute. But, the, you know, the first step is just, you know, admitting that, hey, I've got a problem. And so I... I I, I I realize that it's real easy for me to be all in on something and then something else pops up and I'm like, uh, okay, so then I'm over here in this direction and, and I'm working on that because I don't want to be that way. I want to be able to complete task as an adult man, you know, on the natural level, uh, you know, you start one project on this end of the house and then you, you leave it for a year or two. Then you go down here and you and you got projects everywhere. You know, it's, it's not life or death as, you know, uh, remodeling your home, but when you are spiritually challenged by not being able to keep focus spiritually, then it really does become a problem because you are all over the place. In fact, Jesus' half-brother James said this, a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. And when we can't keep focus on what God has called us to do and what the Bible has told us to do, but we're always just, oh, I'm going to do this now. And, oh, I'm over here. And, God, I promised you this, but I forgot about that, so now I'm over here. And I know I made a commitment to do this, but now I forget about that, so I'm over And when you are all over the place and can't keep focus spiritually as a Christian, you will be double-minded. And when you're double-minded... You're not unstable in some of the things you do. According to James, you're unstable in all of your ways. And so one thing, you know, as as a pastor and and, and a Christian and, and, and someone that's teaching the word of God, the main goal here is to get people born again, right? Which we, praise God, eight people Sunday. I've been running laps all week long. I can't get over that one. I love that. But another goal in preaching the gospel is to get people to mature and to grow, 
right? Who wants to grow in the Lord? You don't, I don't want to stay where I was last year. Hopefully, I'm further along than where I was five years ago. But as we tackle that goal in studying the Bible together, it is very, uh, very critical that we as Christians can stay focused in on what the Lord has called us to and what the Bible has told us to do. You've got to stay focused on what God has called you to do and to be, all right? And so we're going to pray tonight, and then I'm going to get into the Word of God here. We're going to look at a few uh, keys in helping you to stay focused so you're not a dog chasing your tail in circles all the time. You're not getting anywhere, all right? We don't want to be like that. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much. So much for the word of God. We thank you that we have a church family to surround ourselves with, a place that we can come and worship you and hear your word. And God, I pray tonight that as we study the word of God, you're going to speak to each person here, each person listening online, Lord. I pray that you will challenge us and you will correct us, God, and help us to be better. Help us to be more like you. Help us to grow up so we don't stay the exact same for the rest of our Christian days, Lord. Help us to grow in you tonight in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen, all right? So number one tonight is this. First of all, you know, if you're not too ashamed to admit it, and if you don't want to raise your hand, it's not mandatory, but who in here, you could be like me and say, I can admit that I have had trouble focusing and staying on the exact same thing. Okay, very good. Good to know that I'm not alone, all right? That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, but, but the number one thing we're going to say tonight, first of all, is this. Number one, even as a Christian, you have to watch out for distractions. There are spiritual distractions, believe it or not, that will come up in your life. There are distractions all over the place. But I want to show you a verse here in Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look here at verse 25, Proverbs 4 and verse 25. And amen. Thank you, Dylan. Who else is excited about Proverbs tonight? I knew it. I knew you would be. I knew. You, you guys are a Proverbs-loving bunch of people is exactly what you are. Proverbs chapter 4, and we're going to look here at verse 25. Now, Solomon, uh, man, this was a guy that, of course, Scripture records him as being Literally the wisest person that has ever lived. Think about that. This man, documented in scripture, is the wisest person that has ever lived. And so I like to listen to what this guy has to say. Proverbs 4, verse 25, it says, Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Now, that is, I mean, that's some solid advice right there. And, you know, if you're familiar with farming, uh, you know, especially way back in the day, they when they were using the mules to plow the fields, you know, farming nowadays is so uh, technologically advanced. My brothers use these, these uh, combines with GPS systems on them, and they just make perfect rows down the field, and they can basically just sit there and drink a Pepsi while their tractor is. It's a, the, the farming equipment is insane these days, but especially back in the day, they had to plow perfectly straight lines so you can get as much produce and product out of the field as possible, and so when you're using a mule to do your plowing, they're easily distracted. He may be walking straight right now, but then he sees a butterfly over there, and so the mule starts going that way, and now you just lost a whole row of corn 
That's a big deal if that's your livelihood. So they would put what they called these blinders, right, on the mule or on the ox or whatever the animal was. And it would, it would block the peripheral vision of the animal so they could only see straight in front of them. And so because of that, it really knocked out a bunch of the distractions. And sometimes as Christians, we kind of need to do something like that. You know, we kind of need to focus straight on what's in front of us, because God may have really have you studying a certain area right now for your life. Maybe God's really dealing with you about patience, or maybe really dealing with you about your attitude or something like that. And of course, maybe some well-meaning people come in and, you know, that's good what you're studying, but listen here, the hot new topic right now is grace, and you've got to study it. There's nothing else to study. You've got to study this. It's what all the hip new preachers are talking about. This is the hot topic relevant button of the day. You better study this right now. And you're like, Okay, but I know God was talking to me about this, but I don't want to be, you know, I don't want to be not cool in the Christian world. I guess I'll go study what all the cool kids are studying. And listen, that's a great topic. But spiritually, God is dealing with you to focus on what's on your heart. Have you ever had God totally dealing with a certain specific topic to you? And maybe that's not what everyone else is studying right now, but that's what God is dealing with you about. Word to the wise. You better start studying that for everything you've got. If God's dealing with you on how to walk in love, on how to use your faith, on how to give, on how to whatever, listen, that is God talking to you. You better put on the, the, the blockers so you're not wandering everywhere else and focus on what God is talking to you about. It's serious to watch out for distractions. I can't even think about it this way. You know, there's there's pilots. One of my good friends in Indiana has, you know, just uh, completed a bunch of pilot stuff, so I've been seeing him online. But, but pilots, you know, it is so imperative that they stay exactly on the flight course for their trip. Even one degree, right, Dylan? Dylan, he's got his pilot's license. Even one degree off course. That may not sound like a big deal, like, one degree? Come on. What? You're looking for perfection here? Well, yeah, when you're in the air, a couple thousand. Yeah, we're looking for perfection. But listen, even one degree off course, now maybe going a few miles up the road, that may not seem that big of a deal. But over the long course of life, over the long course of the journey, you travel a couple thousand miles, you fly from L.A. to New York, and you're one degree off course, you're going to end up somewhere down by Florida or Cuba or something. Listen, it's a big deal. Well, how did I get here? I just don't know what happened here. That's not fair. God must have guided me. No, God was dealing with you. No, stay on this, stay on this, and you kept going just a little bit, just a little bit, and listen, you've got to watch out for distractions in your life. Solomon, he wrote the book of Song of Solomon, and he said in Song of Solomon 2.15, it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Well, what in the world does that mean? The little foxes spoil the vine. And what he's saying there is sometimes it's the little things that will come in and trip your life up. Sometimes we're all prepared for, you know, the great big thing. Well, you know, I, I want to stay away from this and that for sure. But sometimes it's just the little foxes that come in, the little issues that can come in and spoil the vine and ruin the garden of your life. You've got to stay focused. Now, sometimes it's not even sinful things that distract us. 
That's what I'm talking about specifically right now. Because we all know, I mean, if I, I think I could get a hearty amen if I was like, I believe that nobody in this room should go rob the bank tomorrow. I think everybody in here would say, amen, we agree with that. Hopefully you agree with that. If you don't agree with that, just don't do it, okay? So listen, but there's big things. That's like, duh, obvious. We know that. But sometimes there are even things that are not sinful, but they are distractions in our life. And that can throw you off enough to not finish what the Lord is speaking to your heart. So I want you to look with me tonight at Luke chapter 10. Can we turn to Luke chapter 10? Yes, we can. Yes, we can. <laughs> Luke chapter 10, and we're going to look at verse 38. And, and again, sometimes it's not the big sinful things that are the big distractions to us. Sometimes it's the little foxes. It's the little tiny things. But as we're growing, we are held more and more accountable. And so as you grow, man, there may be some things when you first come to the Lord that God kind of gives you some room on. Kind of gives you a little bit of wiggle room on it because you just don't know any better yet. But then as you grow in the Lord, you know, you're, you're looking to become more and more like Jesus. You're held accountable for more than what you were back then. Who thinks that a 35-year-old man is held more accountable than a 5-year-old boy? I mean, he's got to be. He's got to know more by now, right? And one time I had an atheist kind of debate me like, well, if God was so good, then why did he punish Moses for disobeying him? And Moses didn't even get to get into the promised land. Moses, who did so much for God, disobeyed God in something. And God said, Moses, that's it. You don't get to go in. Now, at first glance, that looks like, yeah, that is kind of unfair. I mean, he put his neck on the line. He, you know, he went into Egypt in that hostile environment. Moses did a lot for God. That's pretty kind of unfair. But listen, do you realize how accountable Moses had to be compared to the average person. This is one of the only people recorded in Scripture that actually got to see the Lord. Nobody, I mean, it was from behind because if you look God in the face, you're going to die because his glory would just overtake you. But seriously, Moses had walked with God on a higher level than almost anybody has ever walked with God. He was held to a whole higher standard than everybody else. So, yeah, when Moses disobeyed God blatantly on something God said, he was held to a different standard. Now, maybe if someone that just wasn't, you know, that close to God kind of didn't do what God said, well, God's going to deal with them. But Moses was on a different level. Now, I'm telling you, as a Christian, the higher we go with God, we're going to grow. Praise God. But we're going to be held accountable for more. And I want that. Somebody, you know, a carnal Christian would say, well, then I just won't grow. I don't want to be held accountable for very much. I just want to be. That's not the heart and the attitude to have, man. If you love Jesus, you want to grow. You want to be more and more and more like him. But yes, as we grow, we're held accountable for more. In fact, James put it this way. He said, brethren, not very many of you should become teachers in the church. Because people that are teachers are held to a higher standard. They're judged more strictly than everybody else. The Bible straight up says that. And so the further we go as Christians, man, we're held accountable for more. But praise God, that also means that Jesus can trust us with more. Amen. And I want Jesus to be able to look down and say, you know what? I can trust him to do this mission. I'm going to give it to him. And I know that he's going to do it for me. But we're talking about growth tonight and staying focused are you in luke 10 yet you should be i gave you like 10 minutes to, okay luke chapter 10 
verse 38. And this is the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus came over to their house. Luke 10, verse 38, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Well, that seems like a pretty fair thing. I mean, they're both sisters. They're both in the same house. They're both hosting Jesus. Yet one of them is just sitting there at Jesus' feet, hanging on his every word. And the other one's cooking, cleaning, serving, and all this. And so she's like, it's not fair. But listen to what Jesus says. He doesn't agree with her. Verse 41, but the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details there is only one thing worth being concerned about mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her jesus didn't scold mary he didn't say mary she's right you are lazy why aren't you in there you you aren't in there cooking and cleaning what's wrong with you mary he didn't say that he's like listen and what we have here is a classic perfect example of something that's not sinful But it is a distraction because sometimes something may be a good thing. Who thinks it's a good thing if Jesus comes over to cook and clean and be a great host to Jesus? Who thinks that that's, I think that's a really good thing. My house would shine like it has never shined before. All four of those kids and me and we'd be, we'd, Katie, we'd be scrubbing. I mean, we'd do everything. That's great. But just because it's a good thing, sometimes it's not the most necessary thing because when jesus is there listen the most necessary thing is listening to everything that he has to say and so jesus is like i martha i get it but mary has chose the most important thing right now i'm not going to punish her i'm not going to take that away from her and so i'm looking at our lives tonight are there some distractions that they may be good things But they aren't the most necessary and important thing right now. And there's a lot of good things that we do. You know, we volunteer at the, you know, whatever, the community center, whatever it is you do, right? You do something, all right? And, and, you know, they're good things. But sometimes we got to look at it and say, that's a good thing, but maybe it's not a God thing right now. Maybe there's something else a little bit more that God needs me to focus in on. And I can tell you this right now. If something is pulling you away from the word of God or from the house of God or the people of God, then I'm tell you right now, that's probably not the most necessary thing for you, right? Because anything that's going to pull you away from the word of God, that can't be, a, he's going to push you more to the word of God, not pull you away from it, right? Well, I don't know, man. Should I take this job? Uh, you know, I mean, it requires me to work every Sunday morning and night and every Wednesday night. And, and it requires me to do this, this, and this. And, and uh, But, uh, man, it, it pays $10 more an hour. What should I do? For me, I swear, that is a no-brainer. You could pay me, I'm, and you think I'm joking. I am not. You could pay me a million dollars an hour. And, listen, I would straight up turn that sucker down if it required that I could not come to church ever, you know or be around my family, I would say, take your million and go give it to someone else. But my faith and my Christianity is not 
for sale. My family is not for sale. My marriage is not for sale. Amen. There's no price tag on this stuff. So, I mean, somebody needs to hear that right now that, listen, man, I don't know if it's from God or not. I mean, come on. It's going to pull me away from everything I hold near and dear, but it pays $4 an hour more. You would sell your family and your faith and your church time for $4 an hour? Hey, come on. That ain't worth it, man. That is not worth it. That is not worth it. For $4? Did I tell you guys about my $30,000 cheeseburger? I'm not going to go into that tonight, but believe it or not, I had a cheeseburger cost me $30,000 in 2014. I'll share that story again sometime, but I'm not going to share it tonight. Come back some other time, and I'll share this, this cheeseburger story. All right, number two, um, what we're talking about is staying focused, not being a focused, challenged Christian. Number two, don't quit when things get hard. Don't quit when things get hard. One thing that my parents taught me as a kid is tough times don't last, but tough people do. And you may be going through a tough time right now. It's not going to last. The tough time's not going to last. I can tell you that right now, that I've been through a lot of tough times, but none of them have lasted forever. Every single one of them I've made it through. Well, why is that? Well, because, you know, first of all, tough times don't last. But number two, because Jesus has brought me out of every single one, literally every single one of them. But If you give up, you're not going to make it through it. So let's flip over to Galatians chapter 6, Galatians 6. And so I know a lot of people that quit at the first sign of trouble. They're committed to something as long as it's fun and easy. I can commit to that. That sounds like fun. Okay, but what if your commitment is no longer fun? Well, I I could commit to reading my Bible for 10 minutes every morning, for an hour every morning. I could commit to doing this because that sounds like fun. I enjoy the book of Matthew, but what about when it's not fun anymore? If you make a promise to the Lord, I'm just going to go out and say this too. If you make a commitment to the Lord and say, Lord, I will do this for you, whether that be, God, I'm going to wake up 15 minutes extra every morning so I can read the Bible. God, I'm going to serve in the nursery at church. Notice I always use that example. Why? We need nursery workers and children's workers. Amen. Come on. Some... All right. Praise God. All right. I know you're coming. We're going to get you. So, But listen, if you make a commitment to the Lord, don't go back on that commitment. Don't do it. And, and so that's just something for us to think about. But, but, but don't just, you know, well, if it's fun and easy, I'll stick with it. Don't be like that. Don't quit when things get hard. Galatians 6 and verse 9. Galatians 6 and verse 9 in the King James And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap, if we faint not. In due season we shall reap, if we faint not. So you may have been standing in faith for something for years. Don't give up. The answer is coming. It's going to happen. And I'm telling you right now that as a Christian, there are some things, and I mean, I want to teach more on this, but... Sometimes there's a reason that you get an instant answer and an instant miracle. I've seen it happen, man. Prayed for people and seen instant stuff many, many times. But then there are other times when it doesn't happen instant. Does that mean that God's not as good, that God's not as real, or that, no, it doesn't mean any of those things. God's still going to come through for you, no doubt about it. But sometimes you've got to fight the good fight of faith. 
Well, for how long? That doesn't sound like fun. Well, sometimes you got to fight that good fight for a little while. Jesus was in hell for three days. You think that was fun? Well, three days isn't that. Three days in hell might as well be 300 years <laughs> and the worst thing that you've ever been through. Listen to me. Sometimes the answer, you've got to stand your ground. You've got to fight the fight of faith for a little while. And I have had to do that on some things for years. But I can say boldly and proudly right now with no fear of contradiction that every single time that I've come to God with a need, I have 100% of the time received an answer. And God has 100% of the time come through for me. Instantly, sometimes, sometimes not. Sometimes, again, it's taken years. But either way, he has always come through for me every single time and guess what sometimes the instant answers those are great but sometimes those are also not in your best interest because sometimes when you got to fight the fight of faith for a while you learn how to be a warrior you learn how to be uh, how to fight some battles for jesus i love the instant stuff it's great but sometimes when you've got a good fight on your hands and you've got to stick to it Man, listen, you become a warrior. You get really, really strong. Does faith come by trials? Please don't ever say that I said I didn't say that. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. But your faith does get stronger when you've got to stand on the word of God. All right. That went over good. Let me just get back over here. All right. Praise God. So another good quote, winners never quit and quitters never win. I don't know anybody that I want to be like that's a quitter. I don't like quitters, and I don't want to be like quitters because they don't ever win, right? And winner, winners never quit, and quitters never win. Anyone who has ever been successful at something did not get there by being a crybaby quitter. Well, I just cried my way to the top. I just quit and quit and quit, and finally they made me the CEO. And I'm here to just, I just want to give my, no, that's not how it works. Listen, anybody that I want to be like, anybody that I admire, they've had a lot of chances to quit, but they didn't do it. They stuck with it. I think about, man, think about our founding fathers. Think about someone like George Washington. They had some tough stuff happen, man. You ever study your U.S. history? You look at some of the battles that these guys went through. It was insane. They could have quit, but they didn't. And thank God they didn't, because I love the United States. Now, we could change some things. Thank you, Jesus, and we're going to. But praise God, I love the United States. I've been to a lot of other countries, and guess what? Listen, I don't want to be like any of those other countries. I like the United States of America. And it's because our fathers did not quit. You know, my uh, one of my first classes in Bible school, well, it was orientation week, all right? And so we're all pumped up and we're going to be pastors. It's going to be, we're going to be missionaries. And now we're all pumped up and excited. There's several thousand of us new students. And so the dean of the college is a, at that time, a, he, a great man. He had done all this work in China and like been arrested and thrown in prison over there and all, just a tough dude. And so one of the very first things that he taught us first week, week number one, orientation week is listen. If you're looking for an easy ride and you're looking for fair, if you're looking for just smooth sailing, do not get into the ministry. Like, well, hey, well, you know, I'd grown up in it, so I kind of knew a little bit already. But I'm like, hey, well, that's not very encouraging. That's not what we wanted to hear that it's going to be smooth sailing and you're going to go straight to the top. He's like, 
the fair is where you go and ride rides and eat cotton candy. But that's not the ministry. And I'm telling you, whatever it is that God's called you to, maybe it's full-time ministry, maybe it's not. But either way, you've got to realize right now that if you're going to stay focused, you've got to get this idea of fairness out of your mind right now. Because it is not always fair because you've got an enemy called the devil and he doesn't care if you feel he's being fair or not. So, well, that's not fair. Leanne prayed, and God answered her prayer right away. I know, fair. Stop that mess, man. Stop that. Don't worry about fairness. Don't worry about anything, but focus on what is God speaking to your heart? What has the Word of God told you to do? And and I'm just telling you that it is not always smooth sailing. Over seven in 2019, I don't know what the stats are after 2020. I don't want to look, but as of 2019, over 1,700 pastors quit the ministry per month in the United States. 1,700 quit per month in the United States. And so I'm saying that as a Christian, as whatever God's called you to do, it's not always easy, but you gotta stick to what the Lord has called you to amen and man it is sweet when you don't quit god is good and due season comes if you don't faint all right number three number three we got to go number three complete the job that jesus gave you complete the job that jesus gave to you you got to stick with it complete the job what are we talking about we're talking about being a focused Christian, not being a Christian that, you know, well, I think I'll do this this week. No, I'm going to go over here and do this. No, God called me to do this. No, God called me to do that. Just wandering all over the place, you're not getting anything done at all. Focus on what the Lord spoke to you. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Who's with me still? 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and we're going to look at verse 11. But one of my favorite promises from the Word of God, <laughs> the Old Testament and New Testament, the Lord says, I will never leave you or forsake you. That's beautiful. But I think it's even as beautiful when a Christian can look to God and say, you know what? I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. That's powerful. We need to be able to say the exact same thing to God. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. I'm going to get there myself. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And we're going to look at verse 11. Now, we looked actually earlier about Paul taking up the offering, right, that he was talking about. This is in that same passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 11. He says, now you should finish what you started. That's almost a mic drop moment. I don't want to freak the sound guy out. Listen, say that with me. You should finish what you started. He said, let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving, given proportion to what you have. In this instance, he's talking about the collection of this offering, okay? But we're talking about whatever it is that we've started for the Lord, whatever it is, that God is using in us and through us and what God is using us to do, you should finish what you started. Don't leave the job halfway done. What if Noah only built half of the ark? That'd be bad. 
there's probably a lot of animals we wouldn't have in the earth right now. Well, guys, sorry, we don't have any room for the draft. You guys are out. Uh, you know, what if he had only done half the job? What if David only knocked Goliath down but didn't actually kill him? No, he finished the job. He said, I'm going to kill you and cut your head off. So he knocked him down, and then he went ahead and finished the job. Did Jesus only provide salvation from hell, or did Jesus take the stripes on his back and provide for our healing and our restoration and our peace also? Jesus finished the job. Jesus did the full thing. Jesus completed the mission. Jesus is no quitter. His family, the children of God, should also not be quitters. I'm here to encourage. I'm not here to make us feel. I'm here to encourage us tonight about staying focused, giving our absolute best. Because do you know that God, when he gave Jesus, what did he give? His absolute best. There was nothing more valuable that God possessed than his perfect, sinless, holy son, Jesus. He, I mean, he, God's got some powerful stuff. He's got some beautiful mountains. He could have said, well, I'll sacrifice Mount Everest. That's a pretty nice thing that I own. I'll sacrifice this over there. I own all of the galaxy. I'll sacrifice. No, he gave the very best that he had. And so in our lives, I believe it's only fitting that we give God our very best. And everything that we do, if we say, you know what, I'm going to sweep this floor and I'm going to do it for Jesus. You should sweep that floor like Jesus himself was coming in to that room. If you, you know, why? Because we're commanded in Colossians, whatever you'd say or do, do it as if you were doing it for the Lord. So your job, listen, if you can't stand your boss, okay, pretend that Jesus is your boss. How do you think your work ethic's going to be now? Listen, I would, if Jesus, well, you may not be able to stand him, but the Bible says you're not doing it for him. You're doing it as under the Lord. You're supposed to be doing it like you're doing it for Jesus. So why are you complaining and bad-mouthing the company and stealing time and fighting with everybody? Oh, wow. Okay. So listen, listen, that's something to think about. Maybe you don't like anybody there, but that's okay. If you like Jesus, that's a good enough reason to do your absolute best. If you're flipping burgers, flip those burgers for Jesus, brother. Come on, somebody. Listen, do your best because Jesus did his best. He gave his very best for us. And if you want to get promoted, if you want to go forward in life, you better do your best at the, even if you're at the entry-level position you're in right now. Well, they don't ever see my hard work anyway. Jesus does. No one ever appreciates me. Jesus appreciates it. And if you do your best for him, he'll get you out of that place and promote you somewhere else where they do appreciate you. But you better, but if you sit there and complain and, and, and just kick stuff around and, and have a bad attitude the whole time you're there, not only is the boss, they're not going to promote you. Jesus isn't going to promote you either. So that's something for us to consider as we're talking about being a focused Christian. It's 8 o'clock. Can we look at one more verse, please? One. Okay. Second, Second Timothy, Second Timothy, Second Timothy. We've got to go there. Second Timothy, you know, 
I didn't, I didn't grow up watching this guy play baseball, but my dad did, and so he told me about it. There's this baseball player back in the 70s named Pete Rose, right? Cletus, am I right? He was real, real guy, right? Charlie Hustle. He had a gap in his two front teeth, all right? There was a big gap, but he was a good baseball player. Uh, there was a sign that said, next tooth, one mile, go that way. So anyway, he was a, he was a good guy, good guy. But he got this nickname, Charlie Hustle, because he gave, he was 110% all the time. If he was batting and he got walked, he took off running to first base like he had just hit the ball to the shortstop. And people were like, wait, what's he doing? That guy's crazy. He got walked. Most people set the bat down, walk up there, you know, whatever. But he was nonstop, 110%, just gave everything he had all the time. Now, I'm not saying, he, he was a bad example in a lot of other areas, especially, if, you know, if you have a gambling addiction, you don't want to look at Pete Rose. But, uh, but what I am saying is this, is that, he gave it all. And my dad always told me about, you know, hey, when you're playing ball, give it all, just like him. And so when we're doing something, we're doing it for Jesus. As a mature Christian, we give it 100%, even if nobody else is ever going to see it. Jesus is going to see it. Second Timothy 4, verses 6 through 7. Second Timothy is the very last letter that Paul wrote, at least that we have a copy of. And his life was very close to coming to an end. But it's pretty important when you've got somebody like Paul who's done, lived an incredible, incredible life. If they're giving you some of their final words before they die, I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. Tell me every wise thing you can tell me right now. I want to know. Tell me everything you can tell me, Paul. And so some of Paul's last words, he says this, 2 Timothy 4. And verses 6 through 7, he says, As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. Look at verse 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished, finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Um, What a thing to be able to say at your life, at the end of your life, that you know what? Maybe some people wouldn't consider me a success. I don't have five mansions and five private jets, and I don't have a billion dollars in the bank. But guess what I did do? I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. I want to be able to say those words right there when my time comes someday. I want to, you know what, God, I finished the race. I have remained faithful. Well, how did Paul do that? Paul had distractions all over the place. He stayed focused on the call of God. And no matter what, he didn't give up. They beat him to a pulp. You saw the video on Sunday where they beat Jesus with the 39 stripes, the lashes. Paul had that happen five different times. But he didn't quit. He stuck with it. And so I'm telling you tonight, if we're going to grow in the Lord, we're going to have to focus And if you're brand new in the Lord, and this all sounds intimidating and big, hey, it's not intimidating and big. You just start where you're at. If you can commit to read one Bible verse today, praise God. Read that verse and do it. If you can commit to, well, you know what, I'm going to read five verses and I'm going to pray for five minutes. If that's where you're at, that's awesome. Start right there and do it. Well, I can commit to come to church once a week. Then do it. But as you grow, you're going to want to do more and more. And God is going to give you. And bless you with more and more. Can somebody say amen tonight? Amen. Let's go ahead and stand up together. Praise God. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.